And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at the University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host tonight, Kami Amarabian, joined by my co-host, Stephen Brown. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you guys can get a podcast. We'd like to know your thoughts, so please give us a rating. We appreciate it if it's a five-star review. It just makes us easier to find and stuff like that, so... Steven, man, it is Wednesday. It is a game week. A cold front just came in, and it feels like fall, which is nice, but now kind of cold because I'm wearing sweats in my house. Did you turn on your uh, heater today? Oh, no. Because I'm one of those people that I'm, like, always warm. So, like, if it's above 70 degrees outside, it's just like I'm going to sweat. So this is perfect. I honestly... Got a little close to turning on the heater because I can't do, uh, like, I have allergies. And yesterday I was sneezing so bad because my fiance left the windows open because it was really cool, especially overnight. And so it's like, you know, 68, 69 degrees within the house. And I was like, dude, I can't, I can't do this, (laughs) especially if I'm wearing shorts. So we turn on the heat for a second and I just got a blanket because. I'm a pansy. It felt like fall, though, for the first time. Like, geez, it, it's been like 90-something degrees, and it's been hot. And it felt really nice just to put on a jacket, and it's going to be all that like that until next week. So I'm excited. Like, do you, and, and do you do anything for fall, like, especially around Halloween? Do you guys, like, ever have any, like, parties or anything special? Like events? Yeah. Not really. I mean, we have, like, a, our fantasy football league meets up every Sunday for, like, a party. Hmm. But nothing like uh, like festive, I guess. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I just like I walked outside this morning and I was like, "It's fifty degrees. This is <laughs> bullshit." But I didn't even get out of bed till like <laughs> probably like eleven, eleven thirty. Yeah, man. I got out of the house at like seven thirty. It was, it was, it was alright. It was all right. But we have a lot to talk about. I mean, we have new depth chart stuff. And like we talked about ha- having a podcast earlier this week. But I was like, oh, we should wait till the depth chart gets released and conveniently gets released today. And, you know, Spencer Rattler speaks. Alex Grinch speaks. Lincoln Riley speaks. So a lot of guys talked. And so there's a lot to talk about regarding that. It being game week, even though it's Missouri State. I don't even know what, like, or is their mascot the Grizzlies or the Bears? I don't even it's, know. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's the Bears. And I don't think Grizzly anybody. Bears. I don't think anybody cares, though. You know what I mean? Like, OU's going to smack them. They just know it's Missouri State and it's a bear looking thing. Yeah. Uh, other things, though, that we mentioned in the last couple podcasts is Redmond and the rumors of him opting out did become rather true, even though there is seemingly some sort of flip flopping going on. And then just other things. So. Let's dive on to it. OU depth chart gets released, and without going into any particular position and group as a whole, any thoughts, surprises? Uh, I guess the initial thought, I was like, this is not a standing depth chart. This is, uh, I mean, I, got, I guess obviously like Spencer Rattler's going to be your QB1. Uh, probably TJ Pledger's going to get the bulk of the carries early. 
Um, but other than that, I was just like, you know, these are ongoing position battles, um, and especially Saturday, it's more of like uh, another tryout for them to see mm-hmm. who's going to step up. Yeah, and it, I was, we had heard, and we had said this on the podcast, that Anton Harrison, from what we've been told in camp, was really coming on. And I thought, okay, maybe he'll get a backup role at left tackle. But as of now, true freshman Anton Harris, the starter at left tackle, probably like one of the, <laughs> the most important places on the offensive line besides the center. And you're trusting a freshman from D.C. And somebody said, oh, he's a true freshman. I was like, no, he's not. He's got to be a Richard freshman. And then I actually looked at the recruiting classes and thought, wow, that's that's unbelievable that Somebody like that. And it, it gives you flashbacks of Orlando Brown, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's not like uh, we kind of knew he was getting some talk here and there through camp. Um, but I guess he really just came on and took that starting spot. Um, but we'll see. You know, it's another one of those things where can he keep the spot going forward? Yeah, and we talked about this pre-podcast. But what does this say more about? Does this say more about how good Anton Harrison has been? at 6'5", 330, or how not up to the challenge maybe Eric Swenson and Stacy Wilkins have been in camp? Uh, I think it's a little bit of detriment to um, Stacy Wilkins. I think, uh, I mean, we both knew he was pretty raw coming in, uh, both physically and fundamentally, so there's a long ways to go there. Um, he just hasn't made it there yet. Uh, but as far as, I mean, Swenson's a viable left tackle maybe not great yeah he played with Um, one arm last year yeah but he can play i mean he he did okay so and now he's adrian ely's back it's just crazy to me that oklahoma's offensive line seeing it last year had a pretty decent year i mean that left tackle spot was just a revolving door it seemed like at times and you thought okay eric swenson at least is returning with a ton of snaps state stacy wilkins is coming with a ton of hype and then at the last, it feels like just so last second, like, oh, yeah, by the way, it's the first week in September, the last week of August, that Anton Harrison is really coming on <laughs> and not letting go of that And he's that doing spot. this without, like, a spring game and, yeah. like, a, a real summer. And so people have said, oh, well, Stacey Wilkins needed a spring to really prove himself, and Eric Swenson needed a spring to, to, make, get, to get better. Well, what the hell is Anton Harrison doing then during this entire time then? Because apparently yeah. he's been doing the right things and staying healthy and conditioned. Yeah, I mean, and we knew that that twenty was it twenty twenty class had some great offensive linemen. They had in that like five or six yeah. guys. Parks great. is another guy that's probably gonna be pretty good down the road. So um, they're kind of living up to the hype so far. If you are a true freshman starting at left tackle in Bill Beatenbow's offensive lineman room. I think that says a lot of things about where your talent is at and where your head is at, for especially for Coach B, because he seems to rely on seniority and or the the real thing or the guy with the most, with the most upside. So it says a lot about Anton Harrison, which is really cool for him and another athlete from the DMV area that's doing very well. And, of course, as you've seen in recruiting, we're going to have a lot more of those dudes. So cool for that. And then the next thing I noticed on the depth chart, though, the receivers, and you have Theo, and it says for that position, Theo Wees and Theo Howard, both the Theos, are oars on that starting spot. 
And then Obiallo kind of takes over Lee Morris's role. And with Oklahoma now having a competent quarterback that can see over the middle and or run through his progressions, that role opens back up pretty wide. You look at Charleston Rambo, who's a burner. So inside, I guess it would make sense to have Weiss in there because you don't really need two burners in there at the same time. And then it's real odd because a lot of us saw Stogner line up at the Y last year. But now he's back in the backfield at H with Braden Willis and Jeremiah Hall. So it's really confusing as far as what they're doing year in and year out. But again, like a lot of this, a lot of this hinges on who the quarterback is. It seems that to be most successful with, especially with that quarterback, you put everybody around them to make everybody a successful piece. So having Stogner in the Y last year was probably bound for more success than having Stogner as an H. So I guess I get that. But looking at wide receiver depth, how do you feel about that? And how do you feel about Drake Stoops being on the two deep? <laughs> like he snuck that one in there. I just, I'm, um. just, I'm just saying he's like literally half a foot taller than, or no, half, he's a half a foot shorter than Obi Obiallo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to have, you have to have, uh, what, what is it? The, you make your wide receiver core like your basketball team. You don't want like one of the same person all over the the court. So I guess that that really fits that description. But uh, I mean, I I love the the receiver core. Now there's not a CD Lamb like a not not a yeah. go to guy. Uh, but Theo Weiss we've seen flashes of, and it's gonna be interesting to see how he takes on a larger role. Uh, Theo Howard I think is a really good wide receiver option for this offense. A little bit gives you a little bit more versatility, but more speed. Uh, on the outside, and you can move him inside if you needed to. And then Charleston Rambo, another guy that's, um, I guess, I mean, we kind of forgot about him during the summer, too. We're just yeah. like, we Hazelwood, and Rambo got kind of tucked under the the stuff there. But, uh, I mean, he's a guy that, if they wanted to go deep, he's done it before, and he's proved he can uh, be that guy. And how about Denzel Mims? Not Denzel Mims, Marv's, Marvin <laughs> Mims. There, man, there's too many... <laughs> Mims is not a common last name. How about Marvin Mims being on the two deep as well? Yeah, I mean, um, we kind of saw in his high school, his playoff film is in, is impressive. So um, we kind of figured he would factor into that rotation pretty much right away as a guy that can either play on the outside or on the inside. Um, but he's another guy that's lived up to the hype, and uh, I think we'll talk about it down the road. But uh, he's also listed as the punt returner now. And what does that what does that say to you as far as guys already in that special teams room that Mims is already getting the nod as a true freshman to go back and catch punts? Well, I think a little bit is you know he's a guy that I think they can rely on, um, but also I think they're kind of figuring out that we don't need to put like a Charleston Rambo back there. We can right. put a guy like Mims who's talented enough to be a playmaker on special teams. Um, and also, you know, we can save our guys, like our, our main guys, Charleston Rambo, Theo Weiss, that kind of stuff. I'm just grateful that they're not taking Oklahoma's best receiver or running back threat and putting them back at kick returner or punt returner as they did with DeMarco. Shepard, DeMarco, CeeDee Lamb, and others. I, it's just nauseating to watch them. Return punts, man. That's a lot of injuries come on punt and returns, and I just I would I just hate to see that. And then oh, if it was Shep under Hypo, I mean they didn't 
they didn't return kicks. They just fair caught it. So probably not a big worry there. But anytime CD Lamb got rolled up was terrifying. One of the things I noticed pretty quickly when looking at the depth chart, besides Anton Harrison, was the defense. And specifically, you look at the defensive line. And Jordan, we've been talking about Jordan Kelly for a minute. And we assume that Perry and Winfrey would start, which he is, which his jersey number is eight, which you can't be a defensive lineman with a single digit number if you're not good. I feel like that's a rule. <laughs> and Corey Roberson over Jordan Kelly in the in the three deep for that kind of nose tackle position. What do you because you you've been kind of bullish on Corey Roberson. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that if you go back and watch his junior film in high school, he looked like a guy that could play um, at like an Alabama or an LSU. I mean, he's going to be that good. Um, and he did have some injury setbacks. I think it was an ACL, um, which kind of sent him back during his senior year and then also coming into Oklahoma. Um, so you didn't really see him at all last season. Uh, but he's a guy that if he puts it all together, he's like he could be a you know top three round pick he's that good um it's just a matter of can he stay healthy and how improved is he um from that injury well it seems he's improved quite a bit to be you know guys definitely gonna get snaps this saturday <laughs> especially over jordan kelly that we thought we have pretty high hopes for him coming into the season so the nose tackle position doesn't really bother me i mean they have three different dudes with three different skill sets really it's it me it's the defensive ends that we'll talk about later in the tackles kind of which will switch in and out we talked about the edge i think last week and i think you said john michael terry if i wasn't if i'm not mistaken you think we get the nod and then it ends up being nick benito and john michael terry is now a reserve at the edge but i feel like even though he's not on the two deep for the guys that are in a, that are playing the mic or the will i definitely feel like they would Alex Grinch would maybe rely on John Michael Terry before they would rely on a guy like Shane Witter. And inside. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't really make sense because um, I, I love Benito in the rush um, spot. I think he shows a lot of potential, a lot of St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, the big thing for him was can he, can he react basically on defense, not really think about what he's doing, just react to what the, what the offense is doing. I mean, you kind of saw that against Baylor a mm-hmm. little bit. I mean, he started to kind of catch on to the speed of the game. So, I mean, it makes sense that Nick Benito kind of gets a nod there. And then John Michael Terry, you can't help but wonder if he's just going to move back inside. Yeah, if, if it certainly feels that way. And I also, I just remember thinking about Nick Benito. He seemed to be, because OU was recruiting him, and he seemed to be such just a surprise. And he committed at whatever all-star game that they were having. And I just remember thinking, this feels way off the beaten path for Nick for for Oklahoma to get a guy like Nick Benito, because it, it didn't seem like a guy that they were really pursuing that hard. And next thing you know, he's like, it was a he'd already signed his letter of intent or his financial aid agreement. Yeah. And he was already on his way to OU, so I thought it was pretty cool. But yeah, last year when he took over for John Michael Terry, the edge wasn't set as well at first, of course, and then he, they kept on playing and playing and playing, and he got a lot better. And then so it sounds like he took advantage of the summer. Uh, sounds like he took advantage of his opportunities in the in the early fall to really take over that edge spot. So I think Oklahoma at that at rush edge position feels 
feels pretty solid, honestly, with the amount of guys they have in there. Even, even Joseph Wete even putting on some weight there, too. And now Jaden Davis is filling the role opposite of Trey Brown since the departure of Parnell Motley. So now you have the Trey's in Brown and Norwood, who's going to be the backup for essentially both of them. I mean, if, you know, <laughs> if Trey Brown goes down, they're not going to rely on Josh Eaton. And they're going to go and say, all right, Norwood's filling in that spot and so-and-so. But so you've got CB1 and Trey Brown, CB2 and Jaden Davis, and then Trey Norwood is that backup. And then, of course, Nichols, Buki, and then your safety is the same, and Pat Fields and Delarian Turner Yale. How do you feel about that secondary? Yeah, I think it's more fluid um, than a lot of people are giving it credit for. I think uh, Trey Norwood's probably going to get some time there. Uh, maybe not as a starter, but in, like you know, he'll get a series, two series in a row, and they can rest someone like Jaden Davis, who plays uh, pretty aggressive. Um, so you can keep him fresh while not really sacrificing too much on defense. Could you see Norwood taking Davis's job halfway through the season? Uh, I mean, if it would have to be on Davis for that. I mean, he we've seen him uh, in limited time early last year. Actually, like, this this kid can play. Um, so it would have to be something where he just kind of tumbles off the cliff kind of thing. I could see that. I could also see Norwood taking his taking a job back via injury and just not letting go. But yeah. who knows? I mean, Lincoln Riley in a little bit of hot water, it seems like, after he uh, <laughs> oh, was no. named, after na- being named preseason like coach of the year because of all the transparency regarding COVID after everything he had done on campus to be with the players, and now all of a sudden, you know, Kersey, and it wasn't like Kersey was trying to say anything bad and not like anybody else was, but he, you know, tweets out that says, you know, what Lincoln Riley did say is that Lincoln Riley's not releasing COVID testing data moving forward for competitive advantage and that they started to treat these COVID situations like injuries and they're not going to do that for public disclosure, even though they're still going to report it, duh, through their university and stuff like that. They're just not going to put it on the, you know, the pre the, the game list of game injuries and guys that are questionable or out for that specific reason. And man, there were so many guys that just got done praising Lincoln Riley last week. So many national media pundits are like, oh, man, Lincoln Riley is the coach of the future, and he's so good, too. <laughs> this is evil and wrong, and COVID's bad, and he's he's a bad person. It's just so exhausting so fast after everything Lincoln Riley has done, and all of a sudden it's like, well, sorry, you didn't do what other people are doing, so you're the worst. Like, what what is that? I have no. I mean, Mike Golick was like one of the worst. Yeah. Out of them, he was like, "This is insane! Like, how are we gonna? Like, if we can't keep our college football programs, you know, accountable, how are we gonna keep our children accountable or something?" It was like, "I was like, this is just stupid." Like, they're already reporting the numbers uh, to the state, like they should, or they're required to. So I don't see. And I, I can see both sides here because I was kind of when Lincoln Riley said competitive advantage, I was like, uh, I don't think that's really what it is. It's more of like uh, someone. It's just distracting to the team during the week. Like you got and then players gonna get bugged by people, and they're gonna want to say you have little reporters coming in and say, hey, who's who's got COVID this week? And you have all these this misinformation that gets out. Um, so it's just a huge distraction on on the program's part, but. 
Um, for media, I just don't really care about the names. Like, if they're going to show up, they're going to show up, and that's that. <laughs> it's it's just like people got the wrong idea really quickly by Lincoln Riley just saying competitive, the words competitive advantage and immediately yeah, said, oh, they gosh, they're not going to report any of the COVID cases. In reality, they are reporting them. They're just not listing who has COVID publicly, even though I feel like that's a violation of a medical like privacy act. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy that you should not tell other people's business medically. But, you know, who knows? Without their consent. Without I their think. consent. Yeah. But that, I thought that was really interesting. And then the other coach, I guess the head coach of the defense, because it's, it, this team is, seems so interesting – in the idea that it definitely feels like the vibe that Lincoln Riley is ultimately the head coach, but is the head coach of the offense, and then like Alex Grinch is the head coach and of the defense, and Lincoln Riley just lets him do whatever he wants on the defensive side of the ball. It's like almost like a just a, a partnership. Whereas, whereas if it was Bob Stoops, it was very clear what the lineage of duties and responsibility are, but. Alex Grinch having high praise for Trey Brown in fall camp, saying he made a bigger jump and that he's been more consistent. And that he he said that, you know, a year and a half ago, seeing Trey Brown, he saw potential and he saw a dude that relied on his speed, but he also saw a guy that was inconsistent, although talented. And then fast forward to now. Alex Grinch is pretty proud of Trey Brown and saying that, yeah, he last year was using his, he was relying on his speed too much instead of the technical te- technical parts of his game. And now Coach Roy Manning has done an excellent job with him, he feels like, and he's a lot more consistent in what he's supposed to do. So hopefully that means when a ball's thrown his way, he uh, catches it, you know? <laughs> looks back. Yeah, looks back or just like, you know, just like looks it into his hands because there were several times during this year I feel like the K-State, wasn't it the K-State game where the ball bounced right near him and it just it just didn't happen? <laughs> and the, they, they would have been like a touchdown down with like four or five minutes remaining, if I'm remembering that correctly. Something like, it would have been a close game, but not having to deal with an onside kick before that happened. So I'm just, ho- I'm just hoping for more turnovers, or at least if the opportunity is there, they will be able to execute on that. Do you feel like the defense is going to get more or the same amount of turnovers? Because I don't think you can get that much less. <laughs> I think they'll get more just because of the circumstances. Um, a lot of these teams, they have abbreviated fall camps. They have abbreviated uh, off season, So um, they're not going to be as crisp and as sharp as they should be. And I think uh, a defense like Oklahoma's can take advantage of that. Do you see Oklahoma blitzing a lot more this season? Uh, yeah, I would say they do. I think they feel more comfortable uh, with the second year under the system with some guys that kind of understand the X's and O's a little bit. Especially with the defensive backs all pretty much being the same. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like that is going to – and especially with those young linebackers and not putting Deshaun White in space or Osimo in space, I feel like them blitzing – to create more opportunity would be a good idea, but not sure if they would do it. I know some guys would be like, I know some defensive coaches that would be like, oh, he's a running quarterback. 
let's just drop eight drop in coverage eight, yeah. and uh, force that guy to beat him with it our with his arm, even though <laughs> it's a division one quarterback. Division one quarterback, but I'll digress. But Trey Brown seemingly uh, stepping up into that leadership role that he kind of canine left. Yeah, does that kind of surprise you at all? I'm very surprised by Trey Brown being the guy. I thought it would be somebody different. I thought it would be Pat Fields, Delarian Turner, Yale. I would thought it'd be one of those two dudes. I could see Pat Fields, especially Pat Fields. He's very well spoken. He's very articulate. But Trey Brown. <laughs> Although short, Trey Brown does have the speed and the talent. So, I mean, wasn't the main thing under Mike that he was in in the doghouse with Mike? Wasn't the main thing was that Trey Brown, he did not practice as hard or as much as Mike wanted him to. So that's why Norwood got the nod way more. Yeah, I don't think he was a practice guy under under Stoops. But, I mean, who was at that point? (laughs) (laughs) That's <laughs> a, a good question. Maybe Brian Mead. Oh, man. He, and he's on the two deep. <sighs> good old Brian. <laughs> good old Brian Mead. Um, I just, I am blown away. But he's a retro senior, and he's on scholarship now. Is he like your Andre Roberson? Like, you know, I just, I just despise <laughs> Andre Roberson. I, <laughs> you know, so we won by Brian Mead. He, although it's not athletically superior to any of the linebackers on the team he is in the right place at the right time and that's what's getting him on getting him on the field like wouldn't you say that he's an x's and o's guy what if he just comes out and has a baller ass year because brian odom (laughs) put him in a really good spot uh i would i would say you probably have to buy a brian mead jersey and wear it for like the the start of the next season's podcast. I think I think we yeah, I think that would be a thing. I think that would be a thing. <laughs> oh man, but hey guys, we have a lot more talk about this week's game. It's exciting to talk about game week. We have other things involving depth, maybe some covid stuff, maybe some rumors. Uh and we'll go to that, but just before that, we have a break for our sponsors, so here you guys go. All right, Steven. So, it is finally game week, and it seems like Unlike other teams in the Big 12, Oklahoma State, TCU, Baylor, who are also playing lesser teams, except Oklahoma is the actual one out of all four of those teams that are playing in FCS school, it seems like game week is actually going to happen, 6 p.m. Saturday. It's a pay-per-view game, and the line is essentially 41. It's 40 and a half. It's also Missouri State. So, like, we're, we're not, like, last year... Oh, who was Oklahoma's pay-per-view opponent last year? Uh, Was it South Dakota? Yeah, South Dakota. Last year, because Jack was supposed to be with us tonight, but had to go in to work for something, and it was a last-second thing, but he texted us the other day because I said, hey, do you guys want a podcast on Wednesday? He's like, yeah, I can invite a Missouri State guy to come on and kind of fuck with him like we did last year, (laughs) South Dakota guy. (laughs) I just forgot about, yeah, we did invite the South Dakota guy on last year. We didn't talk about football that much at all. We were like, so what's there to do in South Dakota? <laughs> and it's like really strange. Like, what's the best bars to hit up in South Dakota and stuff like that? He wasn't. He was, did you tell him what Brahms was? Yeah. I mean, I feel kind of bad that we did that, but that's still really funny <laughs> to me. So, like, but the, the obvious goal of this game is there's two. Don't show literally anything and get out of that game alive with no injuries. 
And so, of course, you're going to win that game if you're the Sooners. So who, what are you looking for when the starters are in the game, offensively and defense? Who are, you, who are you looking at, and what are you looking for as far as production and the plays that are being run, et cetera? As far as the starters, um, I think the first thing you want to see is just that I want to see them settle in. I don't want to see them look rattled too much, and maybe that's like a little bit of a pun right there. Uh, but you want to see that uh, you want to see that starting group settle in, especially the offensive line, because um, you're returning four guys, you're breaking in a new new left tackle in Anton Harrison. So you kind of want to see them settle in and kind of take over that game a little bit um, early on. And then I want to see Spencer Rattler just I want to see him let loose. Um, I don't think they're going to call anything too fancy, but um, they've got enough plays in there where he can kind of rip the ball all over the field. Um, so I want to see him kind of look comfortable with some throws, um, make some pretty good choices there. And maybe it's not like the you have a, you miss a guy that's wide open, um, like a Jalen Hurts kind of thing. But I want to see him kind of uh, go through his progressions a little bit more, um, being a throwing quarterback. And then running backs, I'm, I'm very close to just saying that Seth McGowan might be the leading rusher. You think on so? Saturday. I don't know. I just have a feeling. Because I was, I was writing up a little uh, pregame thing today, and I was like, I wonder if Seth McGowan kind of gets that nod. Um, you know, T.J. Pledger plays that first quarter pretty much, and then you kind of break in Marcus Major mm-hmm. and, you know, the other guys down the road. And he just seems like a guy that could just thrive in this offense. Makes sense. It makes sense. And like, like you said, I mean, I think all the stars are, are going to be pulled by halftime, and then... What is it? Who, who's who's up at quarterback? Is it is it Mordecai? Even though he's missed so much time, I don't know if he's back yet. So that's he my thing. Be. He's missed like three quarters of camp. I think Lincoln says he's like seventy percent right now. So jeez, that might be in playing range. But if not, um, you have to expect Tanner Schaefer probably gets the nod after that, and, and then uh, Chandler Morris. I would expect because they have so much depth on the offensive line just for them to simply run the ball down Missouri State's throats. I mean, and, and with the players that Oklahoma has, especially going 10 deep on the offensive line, that doesn't sound like it'll be a difficult situation. And, yeah, from the starters, I think you look at Spencer Rattler, and that's really what you're looking at on the offense. How, does he live up to the hype? And, you know, him saying, uh, oh, what, what do you say about pressure? Oh, like it's a it's a privilege. Yeah, he's like basically. Gosh, that pressure. He's like, pressure is a privilege. <laughs> Sounds very Jalen Hurtsy. <laughs> Not a fan of that. Uh, but yes, looking at the starters and seeing the offense change once again, it seems like there's going to be a lot less jet sweep action this year because you actually have a quarterback that again can rip it up the seams and not just throw to the sidelines. And so just looking at Obi Obialo, looking at the wide receivers, but Obialo in particular to see how he fills into that Lee Morris role. And then going to the defense, not worried about the secondary. More so, I'm gonna I'm really intrigued on the linebackers and how they play, because if they're letting stuff get behind them, Brian Asamoah and Deshaun White, if they're letting stuff get behind them in it against Missouri State. Doesn't look very promising for games like Iowa State right before Texas. So that's not what I'm going to be looking for. But what about the reserves? Because this is a game in which the reserves are going to be in relatively early. Who are you looking for? Uh, I would say the offensive line. Um, 
you know, it's been said several times that this is the, the deepest group that Bill Bienbaugh's had. Um, kind of just go out there and prove it. I mean, Missouri State, you're really not going to get a great idea. But if they struggle, um, then you kind of know, all right, that was a little bit of hearsay. Um, but from reserves, I, mean, I think you look at linebacker again um, after – you know, Brian Osamoa, Deshaun White, does Oguebu get that look? Can Does he look the part? Can he build off something like that? <laughs> it's going to be the odd couple with the reserve <laughs> linebackers with Brian um, Mead and David Oguebu. <laughs> like, you have one guy that is just straight up, what was it, Brian Mead? Like, it says he's 6'2", but I don't buy any of that. In, he's 6'1". This man is 6'1 in cleats, and then <laughs> 6'1 in cleats, 220-something. And then you look over right next to him, David Aguebu, who I've seen him listed as 6'5", and is a, is a cool 250. <laughs> He's got like 30 pounds on Brian Mead, so it's, it's going to look like Space Jam out there with the Monstars just lined up next to each other. <laughs> this massive 6'5", guy with long arms, and you have Brian Mead from Victory Christian in Tulsa. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> I think the other thing is, like, you brought it up, defensive end. Um not a lot of depth there right now. Jeez. <laughs> oh, Not a lot of depth. So uh, can a guy like Reggie Grimes, who we've talked about a little bit, does he step up and kind of take a step forward early on in his uh, his career? Yeah, I think, and I think he nailed it on the head with, with the reserves. Um, I think offensive line will be fair to watch. I, I'm really curious to see wide receivers. I want a, I want a good dose of Marvin Mims to see what he's about, and I feel like we're going to get to get, get to see that. I'm really excited to see him. I'm I'm curious. Like I make jokes about Drake Stoops, but I'm genuinely curious to see how good he is because he's not a scrub. He was a three-star player. He was a three-star recruit, so it's not like he's bad. People, he was being recruited by other D1 programs. Being a three-star recruit means you could be a a, a contributor at a D1 school. So it's not like he's awful or anything. He's the good twin at football. So, I mean, I'm curious to see the wide receivers, and I'm curious to see the offensive line, and then not – I'm really curious to see the, the defensive backs. I mean – Like Jeremiah Cradell. Jeremiah Cradell, Woody Washington, who's wearing number zero. Bryson Washington, who is big. Uh, Jaden Davis, even though he's not a reserve, he's a new young guy. And I'm curious to see what Trey Norwood's going to look like after coming off the injury. He's definitely gotten bigger. He has definitely put on some muscle mass. So I'm curious to see what he looks like. But what are you looking forward to just with the game? Like, What are you watching in particular? Um, I think I think everyone's going to circle the performance of Spencer Rattler. Yeah. And he may stay in there a little bit longer um, than some other start, like the offensive line, uh, just because they want to get him up to speed. Uh, but I think I think if he looks decent to great in this game, it's not really gonna mean too much. Um, but as long as he doesn't struggle, I think uh, OU's gonna be just fine there. And then the other thing, I want to see him run the ball. Mm. Um, this is a it's a running back court. I think it, I think it calculated they're returning like four percent of uh, yardage yeah. from last season. So uh, I want to see someone step up, whether it's TJ Pledger, uh, Marcus Major, Seth McGowan. And I think that's fair. I mean, on the offense, everything is returning that's not a pretty position. I mean, the offensive line, H-back, those guys are returning, but nobody's really caring because you've got guys that in that wide receiver one slot, 
quarterback and a running back. Those are the main skill positions that Oklahoma State has filled out and Spencer Sanders and whether or not you believe that hype. But they, Oklahoma State has Chuba Hubbard and Tylan Wallace. And they, they have the talent in those positions way over than OU does. And so you're looking for that against Missouri State. And, I mean, the, the, the places that Oklahoma have those positions, they're relatively young. So just really curious to see what that is going to look like as well. So what guys do you think will ultimately be the talk of Norman or after the game? Like if you're listening to the Sports Animal or the franchise, who are the young guys, just the guys in general that they're going to be talking about besides, of course, Spencer Rattler? And what do you think the score is going to be like? Uh, as far as guys I think that are going to stand out, uh, I'll go Austin Stogner for one. I think um, his relationship with uh, Spencer Rattler is really, really good there. Um, going back to the opening, so um, I think he'll be a prime target early on in this game. Um, defensively, I honestly I kind of want to see Buki. They they keep talking about Buki being an improved player since uh, taking out Clyde Edwards-Hilaire Gosh. in the Peach Bowl. Um, so I kind of want to see him step up and be that guy that uh, a lot of the people thought he would be. Yeah, and like. You know, coming out of that All American game where he, I don't think he had an interception, but he tipped the interception to somebody else. Yeah. And then immediately got on campus and they put him at safety. <laughs> and I guess another guy would be Perron Winfrey. Um, yeah. Alex Grinch kind of brought his name up this week. So, um, you know, the, the Juco guys kind of take a little bit to get up to speed, but, you know, it's Missouri State. So, and it's, you, know, you should look, you should look the part. And, Juco guys in this scheme, as opposed to Mike Stoops, I feel like will catch on a lot quicker because yeah. here it's just one gap in. Is <laughs> hey, this yeah, is you're your, catching blocks. This is this is your gap. You are not catching blocks. You are just trying to get between. Uh, he's he's a nose, so you're trying to get in that first gap, and that's really it. And you're looking down at your wrist and seeing what the play call is and what you're supposed to do. And really, I'd be I'd be more nervous. If the linebackers didn't have experience on the field already, but Deshaun White does, and Brian Asamoa, albeit doesn't have that much experience, still has experience on the field, uh, but Deshaun White's going to be that major play caller guy that Kenneth Murray was last year. So yeah, I mean, I ex- I expect dudes like him to to really break out, and I'm I think that Theo Weiss may have a really big game because. It seemed like Spencer Rattler, although you mentioned, you know, the the opening with the OU recruits just winning the day with Trajan Bridges and Stogner. Uh, I think Rattler has a really, really good connection with those three freshman receivers in the Theo, uh, Theo Weiss, Trajan Bridges, and of course Jaden Hazelwood. I think he's got a really good connection with them, and I think he'll be looking for Theo Weiss early and often, but I wouldn't be surprised if Rambo or Howard breaks free a few times. My my, my score is going to be, let's say, 66-10. to 10. What do you have? I'm a bit in the same range. I was thinking about, like, uh, 55-14, just because it's, yeah. I mean, it's a Bobby Petrino offense. He's he's put up some good offenses in the past, and I think he's brought in some some pretty good transfers there as well. So their talents can be a little bit better. Uh, but as far as being prep, like prepared, they're they're nowhere near. So right on the right on top of the line. Yeah, I'm taking the over just barely. 
Interesting. Yeah, I could, I could see 55, 55 14 too. But other things, Redmond did indeed opt. It's, it seemed like such a weird story with Redmond that he opted out. Lincoln Riley talked to him <clears throat> and gave him something to think about, and so he didn't opt out. And then he came to Lincoln Riley once more and opted out officially. I think it wasn't a true opt-in. It was, uh, hey, these are my plans. Um, just want to let you know. And I think he talked and was like, hey, why don't you take a, a week to think about it? Like, consider what, what this option is. Because it is, it's a big option for him, and uh, it's a big option for OU. So, um, obviously, they're going to miss his, his production as a defensive end. And uh, for him, you know, with the, the blood clots and the COVID, you kind of understand it. Uh, but also, he was a guy that looks to be an NFL mm-hmm. prospect, and uh, he's just not going to have that film yeah. from the season. And, and along with him, because Redmond is opting out clearly to come back, but now there's, because it was my assumption, and I think maybe yours too, that with Kennedy Brooks opting out, he was going to be going to the NFL, but apparently it seems that Kennedy Brooks is going to be back in Norman next year. Does that make any sense to you? It doesn't make that much sense. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to see what's out there right now um, and be like, you know what, my best future is heading to the NFL right now is maybe a maybe a late round guy, mm-hmm. um, just with like the the OU branding, and he has the production to do so too. Uh, but I don't see him returning to OU. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think I do either. It doesn't make any sense, especially with the running back room that they have now and who they're going to get in the next however many months, that why he would come back, especially with the offensive line being it the way that it is this year. Who who knows? I mean, they all, they all have families. a guy that wants to, to go after a ring. Yeah. That would make sense. True, true, true. And that would be a far cry because it feels like, and this is like an old man tangent, but it feels like players these days do not care as much anyways do not care as much about winning national titles don't care about the uniform <laughs> it's like they don't care as much as <laughs> about the national titles as they do about their own personal gain of course and going to the nfl does, does that seem fair yeah for the most part i mean like it's easy for us to say that because they're not waving that money right in our face. Right. Um, but then you also have guys like Baker that he was going to be an early round draft pick regardless, and he came back his senior season. Obviously, uh, boosted his draft, spot, draft stock quite a bit, but uh, for the most part, it's more like a three and done if you're in a, like a CD Lamb. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's just really interesting. If you're and good, three years, you're out. It's just really interesting about how that works. And. Of course, every team is different. You know, Alabama, it's an NFL factory. Whereas Oklahoma, it seems honestly, it and all the all the players say this and all the the families of the players say this and they don't say this about Clemson, they don't say this about Ohio State, Alabama, etc. That it really does feel like Oklahoma does have a that they're able to put on a family atmosphere where all the players genuinely get along and are tied to each other more than just an NFL future. And I think that's really, really cool. And I think that's something to build upon, especially if you're Caleb Williams and you're organizing your own recruiting summits, which is fantastic, by the way. Uh, but more rumors about not opt-outs, but guys that are having to sit out because of an illness. 
a prominent illness going on at the time. And you like mentioned you mentioned this list to me uh, before we started podcasting. So who who's rumored rumored to be sitting out this weekend? Oh well, I'm not. You know, I can't really uh, confirm this list, but it is rumored out there. Um, some people kind of in the circle have talked about it um, with guys like a, like a Marcus Stripling, um, DJ Graham, but uh, I don't really see DJ Graham being a, an impact player yeah. this season. But Marcus Stripling, um, if that were to be true, would be would be a big hit um, to this defense because that does give you another defensive end to, to play in this uh this Saturday, yeah, and it seems that like out of the few players that we talked about before the podcast, really the only one that has a rumor, in like you said, there may be no credence to that. There may be no water in that right rumor, but sometimes there's a fire where there's smoke coming from, and really the only one here that is a little concerning, especially for depth's sake, is Marcus Stripling, and you know it's one of those things that if it's true. Well, it's good news that it's just Missouri State, and it's also good news that Oklahoma has a bye after the Missouri State game. So that would be good news. But of course, it's always that that that's gonna. It feels like that's the nature of the beast as far as playing during a pandemic. That some weeks you'll have dudes, and some weeks you won't. Right? Yeah, and we were expecting that. Um, like if let's say, I mean the the big room out there is Spencer Rattler's already had it, mm-hmm. so he should be good. I, is it really a rumor anymore? I feel like it. It, feel, it feels a it's lot a like common likes. sense. It feels like come on, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. It's just out there, but it feels like common sense that Spencer Rattler disappeared from the from Instagram, from his Instagram, and from the the scene that Oklahoma like was. Days. Yeah, he he was he was in everything. He was in all the shots for the cameras for Instagram, and then the next thing you know. Poof, he's he's missing for two weeks. And it's like, well that's that's kinda odd. And then, then it's like, oh, Spencer Rattler's back at he's back at practice. And I was like, what is going on? And it sounded exactly like the fact that he probably and most likely did have COVID. I mean, I feel like I'm not crazy in thinking that's probably a thing, right? Uh I'd give it like a ninety-five percent chance. <laughs> I'd, I'd give it a ninety-nine percent chance that this man. I mean, which is good, right? I mean, studies do show that you will have immunity for at least three months. At least it's like three, three months. Or four months. Yeah. So I mean, heck, I mean, but he got his but, early on in the summer, didn't he? Yeah. So maybe not that great. Right around July, maybe June. All of a sudden, you got July. a month. You got a month and a half. Uh, but but it seems pretty. Pretty interesting. And Rattler talked to the media for the first time today. Did you see those clips? I saw a little bit of it. What do you what do you think? What's your first impression of him as a guy that's gonna be talking to the media? Is he a Jalen Hurts or is he more fun as a Baker or Kyler? A lot of people say he's like a, a mix between Baker and Kyler, and I kinda of thought that was a little bit cheesy and I was like, Oh, that's just kind of recency. And racist. <laughs> and uh, but no, I just hearing him talk, I was like, yeah, I can kind of see a little bit of Baker there, a little bit of Kyler. Um, Baker being a little more outspoken, mm-hmm. Kyler just kind of being kind of cocky. 
So uh, I kind of got I kind of got that vibe. I liked what Lincoln said about him. He, he I I really liked the perspective that Lincoln took about it when he said, you know, all the quarterbacks are different. He said for Bake, for game week, he had to calm this man down and to pull back on the reins a little bit. And now, like in hindsight, you can definitely see, yeah. You could definitely see places where yeah. he needed to calm Baked, especially that first Texas Tech game. Holy crap. That week must have been insane inside of Baker's mind. <laughs> like, this man is probably going ape shit in his mind 100%. But then he said, you look at guys more like Kyler who have a, who have a, a very cool, calm swagger to them. But Kyler is just, I mean, Dude's the goat. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he just carried himself very well. He knew how damn well good he was. And he didn't need to have the reins pulled back because he was a very calm and confident, cool, collected guy. And, of course, I mean, you get drafted in the first round of Major League Baseball and you then turn into the number one overall pick and never really shed that much of a smile, which is incredible in the first <laughs> place. And I just thought that was really cool that Lincoln brought in that perspective that, you know, Spencer Rattler somewhere in between there. He's not a guy that you're going to have to pull the reins back on him like Baker because Baker is just un- in his unbridled joy for passion and everything else under the sun. But he's also not a guy that's like, okay, I don't have to worry about him. But him sitting out one year I think is going to pay a lot of dividends. And guys on the team, Trey, Trey Brown saying stuff like, it's unreal that he's a freshman, that he's he's doing all those things in practice. Yeah, I, I think that I think that says a lot about Spencer Rattler if the defense is talking about him like that, especially seniors and guys that are team captains. That have been around in the scene all the sides. Yeah. You, you, you've seen Baker, you've seen, you've seen Kyler, and for them to say, holy crap, this guy's a freshman, are you kidding me? With what he's doing in practice? Yeah. Says a lot, like you said. Yeah, it's a good point. And... One more thing, though, before we move on to some other interesting tidbits is that you brought this up because I, I mentioned that before we started podcasting that do we still have no update on suspended players, and it's been a minute. We've been talking about this since the Peach the, the peach Bowl or Chick-fil-A. I don't know. Is it the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl? Yeah. That's confusing. Bowl. Just name it Chick-fil-A Bowl or the Peach Bowl. I guess Chick-fil-A like, sponsors it, but... It's just weird to or think about peaches. It, it's it's weird to think about peaches and chicken. <laughs> but we've been talking about the suspension of these players since the Peach Bowl, in like projecting out how many games they would miss, and now we still have no idea to as to whether or not those suspensions will be lifted, partially lifted, added on because they hate Oklahoma. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, but then you mentioned that they should actually find out pretty soon, right? Should be tomorrow, which, if you're listening to the podcast, is probably today. And so it might already be out. And Lincoln Riley is gonna say, mm-hmm. he's gonna he's gonna tweet this out with with happy or sad emojis next to their names. He's just gonna tweet out Perkins, uh, Bridges, and Stevenson, and they're gonna either have a sad face or a happy face next to their name to let you know <laughs> what the verdict was. Uh, I don't expect it to be too happy because it's the NCAA. They don't make good decisions a lot of the times. They don't like athletes. That's their job. Boz well, actually, had it first, man. Working the right communists against student athletes. 
The boss, the boss had it right from the get-go, and he was punished for it. <laughs> way before his time. Way before his time. Really, though, he was way before his time. And for those of you that have not watched Brian and the Boss 30 for 30 lately, do yourself a favor and go watch Turn it. Turn this podcast off. <laughs> it's so... <laughs> I watched it... I watched it... Uh, never the first time, but it's been the first time I've watched it in a minute. And I was thinking, man, this is a really... This is probably my favorite OU one because they have... Uh, Marcus Dupree one is good too, but the Brian and the Boz one is really good. Steroid usage and how much of a dick he was, and then you're like, oh, that's why Tony Casillas hates him. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> oh, Tony Casillas might be a little bit of a psychopath. Too. He is a little bit of a psychopath. I think it's cool that Boz is like, yeah, I disappointed my dad, and that's not cool, but man when i disappointed switzer i just wanted to end it all and i was like my gosh boz you need to chill bro you need to calm down but like i mean i guess you know switzer really had that effect on certain dudes and really cool but let's talk about defensive depth a little bit more and then start wrapping this thing up defensive depth oh my it's not good it just simply the defensive line the linebackers is a bunch of wolf we talked about defensive end already that if Stripling is possibly out, you're looking at Isaiah Thomas as your starter and then a true freshman, Reggie Grimes. And Lincoln Riley did say, hey, everybody's treating this like a redshirt year. Freshmen are full go. And so the, that defensive end spot is really the one spot we have a lot of pause with. I think you would agree with that. Because at the nose guard, Perry and Winfrey, Corey Roberson, Jordan Kelly, and defensive tackle LeRon Stokes, who's seemingly made a lot of the right moves and been and, and, and seemingly being reliable, and then his backup in Josh Ellison. But that defensive tackle spot seems rather interchangeable with defensive ends, and still I really hate the idea of them having four to maybe five bodies for those two positions where you get banged up quite a bit and you, ro- you rotate quite a bit. You're not playing guys 70 snaps, 60 snaps. You're playing them 40 and 30 or 40, 20, whatever it is. And then you go to the linebackers, the rush edge position, You everybody should feel fine about. They have yeah. Benito, Terry, <clears throat> Joseph Wete, who like went from being a freaking bean pole to now 6'4", 230, being like this i don't i'm not saying this dude like got involved with balco and steroids or anything but i'm saying this dude the boss over the offseason this dude got big over the offseason because look at images of him last year he was the he looked like dakota austin skin and bones <laughs> so skinny and he's gone from jeff mead to mark andrews like it's just it's unbelievable how big he got and so, but then you go from rush edge where you feel relatively, really comfortable, honestly, with the depth there to look at the mic. Deshaun White, fine, yeah, everybody expected that. David Aguebu, we all knew he was working at linebacker. Yeah, Robert Barnes is fine. Robert Barnes is fine there because he's the third guy in line. So you're not expected to play unless something bad happens. But then you go to the will. <laughs> and you see Brian Asimo, which I think everybody's pleasantly, not surprised, but just pleasantly just viewing that. Like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, he uh, he showed a lot of promise last year. And then it starts to get not so fun. Brian Mead, Shane Witter, and Jamal Morris. Yikes. 
Yeah, and that's kind of where we talked about maybe John Michael Terry moves back to one of those inside spots a little bit. Because if you're going Shane Witter, a true freshman, as your your inside linebacker, that's a lot of X's and O's to, to throw at a guy that's just out of high school. Yeah. It's it, Man, I mean, Oklahoma, especially when Ronnie Perkins gets back, Oklahoma has great players on that defensive line. If they have Perkins, Winfrey, and Stokes, <clears throat> and if you're counting the edge on that Benito, that front four, that's good stuff. But you still have to have guys in the middle, and you're just, you you just hope that they are able to stay healthy. Yeah, and Jamal Morris, for what it's worth, um, probably has a road to go down as far as getting there physically. I think he's labeled was it two ten right now. Yeah. Um, but everyone I've talked to, they, I mean, he's a he's an outspoken guy, um, strong voice in the the locker room. So um, that wouldn't be a surprise if he steps up maybe next season. Uh, but right now at 210 as a as a will linebacker that's that's pretty rough sounds like a tcu linebacker yeah <laughs> i mean really they're small but they can crack the back of your head but but the rest of the secondary it's all familiar names <laughs> buki at nickelback and jeremiah crudell who we've been like waiting to see for so long in any capacity Jaden Davis, who came on strong last year. Trey Norwood's familiar. Pat Fields, DeLarian Turner-Yale, Trey Brown. All these guys are familiar names. But you look at the cornerback situation after Trey Norwood, Eaton, Graham, and Kendall Dennis, all three true freshmen. Does that not say the state of defensive backs and where Oklahoma's <clears throat> going as far as what Grinch wants more than anything else? Well, that's that's the deficit with, that's left behind behind uh, Mike Stoops and Kerry Cooks. So you have you have a pretty good player in Trey Brown, but there was never any depth recruited there. So you have all these true freshmen, um, Josh Eaton, who everybody loves and raves about his size at 6'2", 175, but he's not really going to play there. He's he's going to take some time to kind of develop his body. Uh, DJ Graham is a guy that probably needs some time to, de- to develop some fundamentals, being a uh, a guy that played a lot of wide receiver in high school. Um, the one guy that I will say that might surprise some people is Kendall Dennis. Um, played really good football. I think it was Lakeland, Florida. Um, they've been known to develop a lot of D1 guys there. So um, he's kind of got some talk here and there in camp. So I wouldn't be surprised uh, if, if he's a guy that maybe makes it in as that number two guy hmm. in the rotation. It should be interesting. And I, I think this – and remember last year, I mean, hell, it, it felt like – there was an open door policy, but the policy was Alex Grinch wants to see you in his office so he can cut you. <laughs> for the especially for the defensive backs, it felt like a revolving door of those guys where it's like on hard knocks. Hey, coach wants to see you, and all of a sudden the players are like, "Fuck," because they know what's coming next, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I'm after hey, grab grab your books and, uh, <laughs> yeah, your stuff and stuff. Grab your iPad. Come to the office now. <laughs> And because like after this podcast, I'm gonna go watch last night's Hard Knocks episode, and they're making cuts. So it's like, <laughs> hey, uh, Coach So and So wants to see you. And, and every time, the guys are either really really calm, like fuck, I worked too hard for this shit, or they just break down. Yeah, start crying. Ugh. But it, it, that's what it felt like last off season. It felt like the purge. Alex Grinch was like, yeah. You're not good enough to play for this defense. Fast dudes only. You know, I feel like we never got to talk about that because there was so much happening elsewhere. So I, I think this signifies 
a change in philosophy more than anything else as far as all these freshmen being here everybody is five foot eleven or taller hell i mean josh eaton's six two and then you look at trey norwood he was always six foot and he was i think that's part of the reason why that grinch liked him is because a he loved to practice but also b he also was lanky and had long arms, so it made yeah. sense anyways. He's a, Trey Norwood is almost pushing 200 pounds. We did not see that two years ago. He was pushing like 160 yeah, two it, years ago. It's just so, so good, but at the same time, it's just you, there are question marks after his injury. <laughs> like, yeah. How is that knee well, going to hold up? Even just the mentality he plays with, like is he going to – be a reliable guy to set the edge or is he gonna run out of bounds like we've seen or you know spin around a block or something like that so um maybe physically he's there but i want to see it more uh with the attitude he plays with yeah i agree i agree and because there's a game this saturday and we again i thought because missouri state's testing monday wednesday friday and i thought okay if oklahoma makes it out of the news cycle on thursday completely clean for as far as Missouri State anyways if Missouri State makes it Thursday completely clean with no worries of pushing back the play date they're going to test them again on Friday but for the most part it's a full go after that because if you're testing on Wednesday and it comes back clean on Thursday and you're essentially bubbling them until Saturday if they're in Oklahoma as you suggested earlier you know before we I think we started podcasting that there are not a lot of worries, but Norman's allowing 75% capacity in bars on game days and, of course, 25% of Memorial Stadium. But I've been watching the college football games, and you have two, and there is definitely a lot more sounds you can hear. You can hear a lot more singular sounds and more sounds coming from each bench. And I want to know <laughs> if that's a good or a bad thing. I like it. I think it's awesome. Like it's, it's more authentic. It's like you can actively hear the players cheer for each other and scream and also say expletives, and especially you can tell when the game is going horribly wrong <laughs> because I, uh, I think it was the BYU-Navy game, which BYU just absolutely crushed the <laughs> Naval Academy. I'm not making a joke that – oh, gosh. Uh, I love I love Twitter, man. It's it's a great it's a great place, but you heard both the benches and it was really really neat. I think that was really, and I think that's what a lot of us wanted to, the NBA for, like mic up the court. So I want to hear all the shit talk between mic the players. Up the refs, yeah. and they didn't. They just have they just piped in fan noise instead, like you know soccer leagues. Whereas college football, you're hearing some of the fans. You're hearing some of the singular fans that are yelling very clearly. And you're also hearing the benches. I'll never forget, it was homecoming the year after Stoops retired. And he was, I, not the homecoming king. What would he call that person? The guest of... Uh, is it the guest of honor? I don't know. Or, but he was, he was in the golf cart. Yeah, he was, in, you're alluding to? he was in the cart just <laughs> driving around the stadium. And if this was limited capacity... The guy in front of me stood up and was like, your brother's a fucking loser. And, of course, Mike is still on staff. And I remember laughing so hard, you know, right next to him. Imagine if that was the case today. <laughs> and the mics, the hot, all the mics are hot. They're picking up everything, and that's what you hear if 
when Bob Stoops is riding around in that little golf cart with David Boren. Oh, that was was it Boren? No, it was Castiglione because Boren was having Boren was some of his own issues. issues. <laughs> some of his own issues, but just incredible. Um, yeah, seventy five percent bars capacity in Norman, which I mean, it's already been pretty lit on Campus Corner, so I guess we'll see what happens going forward and. TCU, Oklahoma State, Baylor, all postponing their games. Not good, man. Not a great sign. But then again, Oklahoma like was is dragging Missouri State to the start line. <laughs> like TCU is not doing We're that. Get our six million dollars. Yeah, TCU, Oklahoma State, Baylor—they're not doing that. Oklahoma, Joe Castiglione, and if and when this game takes place. Oklahoma fans have nothing to do but applaud Joe Castiglione for this game being played because yeah. he ensured, hey, Missouri State, you guys literally border us, first of all. And second, we have our own lab on campus that you we have our own test kits and that you can get your stuff turned around in a matter of a day and to know whether or not, you know, your players have COVID. And so they're using all the OU testing kits and going through all OU protocol, Missouri State is, by Joe Castiglione's guidance, to have this game happen. So like I said, if nothing pops up tomorrow, no news is great news, that game is being played on Saturday, which is fantastic. And what I want to know, though, is because you've seen this already, TCU, OSU, Baylor, and their opponents, because they make less money and they have less means to combat COVID and to have basic turnarounds and stuff like that. How many games does OU, does OU play 10-game schedule? Do you think it goes shorter? Do you think they power through? What, what do you think happens here? We've been having this discussion for the past month, and we, we've always felt like it's going to get started, don't know if it's going to get finished. Do you f- still feel the same way after viewing maybe baseball and how they've done things in the NFL, even though they're all professionals? which is going to be, create a headache for the NCAA after all this. But looking at how other sports have handled it, do you think they keep on powering through and just just go through the season? Or do you think that maybe they do shut it down early, especially you saw a, a kid uh, from a JUCO or a Division two school in Pennsylvania. It's pretty weird that the school is in Pennsylvania, I think, but it was called like California College. Yeah. Really confusing. But a twenty year old passed away from COVID complications today, I believe. Well, I think I think they went back and reversed that. This is what I saw. What do you mean? Like I think I I mean New York Post isn't the best uh news source, but I think um uh they went back and said it wasn't really COVID related. Oh, well that changes the narrative quite I a could bit. Could be wrong. But it does kind of give you that that realism that, you know, um, all these games, for what they're worth, they give a lot of people a lot of joy, uh, make a lot of people a lot of money. uh, But there are kids out there, they're sacrificing their health um, to make this happen. So um, in that respect, you hope that um, they're doing everything possible to, you know, not push them out there where it's an unsafe environment or, um, you know, they understand the risk that they're going through. Yeah. Uh, but as far as playing the entire season, right now, I would say they probably make it. Wow. Just because 
Because you can do a postponed game, which is means like you know we'd like to have a couple players back. Um, maybe we're at like the 10, 10 players gone limit. We want to mm-hmm. postpone the game. Um, but if there's like a full cancellation and it's like a conference game, I just don't see. Maybe you cap it at like five or six games. Yeah, I can see that too. Oh well, this season this but, this this yeah. this season slate is upon us as far as games. Yeah, we should be a lot more excited. And what games are you looking forward to this weekend? I know the very first 11 a.m. kickoffs, Kansas State, they've been having their own issues with COVID, by the way. Uh, but Arkansas State at Kansas State and Louisiana, which would be formerly Louisiana Lafayette, at Iowa State are two 11 a.m. games that I'm intrigued to watch. There's not really any big games on this weekend at all. No, it's pretty because the Big Ten's pretty, not playing. Nobody's yeah. playing anybody. These are all gonna be pretty easy games, anyways. Yeah, like, like Duke versus Notre Dame is one of the big games. That should tell you enough. Yeah, but I think that Kansas State game though, it's gonna give a lot of people a lot of you know kind of perspective of where Kansas State's at leading up to the the game with Oklahoma. Man, they always lose a dumb game early and then somehow beat OU. It feels like. Yeah, but yeah, not not. Um, not a lot of good games on this weekend. Like Syracuse, North Carolina. Ugh. I want to see how uh, Big Mac's doing. Yeah, I think it's on the ACC network though, so I don't, I don't know if I'm able to watch it. But yeah, not, not a lot going on. But I mean, heck, I think tomorrow's game really, or I guess if you're listening to this today, Miami versus UAB. I just that'll be fun. A first of all, Tathan Martell is the backup to Derek King. And I'm just excited to see what Derek King can do in a real offense in a, at a real program. Well, Miami's, they're half real. I mean, they're more real than Houston is. That's true. That's true. And then, unfortunately, we were robbed of Friday's matchup of SMU and TCU. That could have been so been cool. good. First of all, I love SMU's uniforms and their color scheme. It's fantastic. And that game That's in general, in the Big 12. that game in general would be great. You know, Dallas, Fort Worth, the, the traveling between universities is 15 minutes on the highway. And it's just, I think that's that would be a, would have been a great. And so you would see former Big 12 quarterback Shane Bouchelle, uh be the better quarterback than what TCU has. Is T- TCU's quarterback is, it's not Duggan, is it? Uh, is it Delton? No. Or is he gone? Delton's gone. Is it Max Duggan? I don't know. I'm not sure. But there's not a lot of big games on this weekend. But nonetheless, it is college football. And Dahu Green still at Arkansas State. <laughs> Sixth year. The oh, leading man. receiver game one. Was was he 2015? I think so. Green class? I think so. Oh, God. But I expect Dahu Green Dahu. to have it. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Dahu Green gets two touchdowns against Kansas State. It is Duggan, by the way. Okay. He's not that great. He's okay. But he's just kind of there. Not that many great offenses at TCU since, you know, first you had Andy Dalton. You, oh, you had Boykin, Andy Dalton, and then before that, nothing to brag about besides LaDainian Tomlinson, which is a very old name as far as now, anyways. Gosh, remember LT with the Chargers? That feels so long ago. Yeah, that's like, uh, it feels like it's like a 90s game. Where did Tomlinson play after the Chargers? Because he had a bit of a career after. Uh, 
He had like a little one, like a couple years. He wasn't the Broncos, was it? Uh, maybe. Or the Jets, or I'm just talking out of my just ass right now. I, I just, I just, <laughs> I just need to it know. Was, uh, it was the Jets. Okay, it was right. the Jets. Yikes! He was so good at the Chargers, and people forget he's a TCU alum. But man, that's all I got. It's game week. I'm excited to watch games Thursday. I'm excited to watch. Whatever it is on Friday, I guess there'll be NBA playoffs since the Dallas-Fort Worth, SMU, TCU is postponed. And then Saturday, Sunday, just planning my ass on the couch, watching a ton of football. Steelers play Sunday night, and then there's Monday night football. So football every day till Tuesday. Got to yeah. love it. We'll have the postgame. Yeah, we'll have the postgame. For this for this, uh, this fun game that's about to happen against Missouri State. And, but. you know, because the stakes are not high – and we probably don't have to pay attention that much, may or may not be completely sober. I'm just being honest for myself. But uh, so, Yeah, someone's like, are you going to drink for the game? And I was like, I may have one. might have one, which turns into like five. I mean, like, that time when I just absolutely went on a rant about on Mike Stoops, <laughs> I think it was a Texas game, I think I dropped like 20 F-bombs, and this was like a few years ago. I was not sober. Typically, that happens. Typically, the outcome of the game correlates with so sobriety, I guess. But nonetheless, whatever. Uh, Stephen, tell the folks listening to this podcast where they can get a Discord invite and tell them about the Discord. So uh, I think a lot of people are doing it now. Yeah, I've been getting uh, a, a lot a of requests. Um, it's basically. Uh, what would you say, like a, a mix between a, a chat room and a forum? Yeah, it's kind of like social media, um, but not really-ish. But super easy to use. Um, we got over, I think it's 150 members now, so um, a lot of chat going on. We're going to do live game channels. Uh, we're always talking about recruiting, um, football, fantasy football, uh, recently uh, the Thunder. So um, just... If you want to follow one of us, um, we always send out the invites, or you can just want give us a DM, um, and we're, we'll be happy to send it to you. Yeah, I've, I've had several people ask me over the last two weeks, just, hey, I heard this and that, and uh, can I get an invite? And like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. really, really simple. And that's kind of where we started to kind of hint at the, the Redmond stuff pretty early, mm -hmm. um, what was going on there. So. Um, we're always putting out information when we can. So, yeah, yeah, I remember the Redmond stuff. I was like, oh, he got he uh, he got talked back in, and then in the Discord, you mentioned like, uh, don't don't buy into that yet because there's still a little bit more. To, little that more was to like go. one in the morning. I yeah, was, maybe maybe don't maybe, buy. Maybe in. push pump the brakes a little bit, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. It's game week. Uh, we honestly did not know, and for since for several times, did not know if we would yeah, even have this. So. Really, really happy to be doing this and to be doing post games and stuff like that once again. But go ahead and follow us on CrimsonCreamMachine.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter. You've got at CC Machine or at J Larry Shields for Jack, who couldn't join us tonight. I'm Kami Robbie and at Kame Robbie and CCM. Follow Steven at OUUpdatedSB. Again, guys, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, uh, whatever you're listening to on right now, actually. So go ahead and give us a five-star review. We really appreciate it, and we'll check you guys after the game on Saturday. See ya.